It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Is there anybody grateful for God's goodness to you? Is there anybody grateful for God's goodness to you? And if you don't mind, just for a few more seconds, with the fruit of your lips, give them praise. The fruit of your lips. The fruit of your lips. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another Sunday, another opportunity for us to collectively gather to declare that you have been good to us and you've been faithful. Not everything has been good in our lives. Not every situation has been favorable. But God, all our lives. You've been mighty faithful. And so we just pause to say thank you for every mountain, for every valley, for every storm you brought us through. We thank you. And Father, we pray for someone that is listening now who doesn't know the goodness of God. We pray for someone that may even be in the space that we're in physically here in our church that doesn't know your goodness. God, we pray in Jesus' name that your word would reveal maybe more of your goodness, that maybe a smile, the love from someone's hug or embrace would remind someone that they're not alone in this world, but there's a God that loves them. And God, as we remember today mental health awareness, we pray for those who are struggling with depression. We pray for those who are struggling with anxiety and those that are battling with addictions and other challenges God we pray that they would not be ashamed help them Lord to realize that um, there's nothing wrong with admitting I'm not okay so Holy Spirit would you help the church to be an accepting place for people who say I'm not okay we give you glory and honor for what you will speak today from your word help us to grow that we might be more of who you have called us to be and it's in the name above all others that we pray in Jesus name amen and amen can we all give the lord praise hallelujah tell somebody next to you it's good to see you and you may be seated in the presence of the lord thank the lord so much for our music ministry can we just give god praise for them i mean it's just a blessing um, to hear how the lord uses them to usher us into his presence I just want to again underscore uh, many of us you see wearing green today because uh, it is uh, a reminder of mental uh, health awareness. And let me just say to those that are online and those that are here in person who have at any point struggled with or are struggling with depression, anxiety, 
Uh, maybe there's some things that have happened in your life that you've never really gotten a, a grip of and it's controlling the way that you think, the way that you live. One thing that has happened uh, is that the church in the past, uh, unfortunately, would always tell people, well, just take it to the Lord in prayer. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with taking it to the Lord in prayer, but some things that are happening with you may require additional support and additional help. And please do not feel as though you're wrong. Please do not feel as though you're not spiritual for going to someone that may be able to help you uh, in your uh, journey and in your life as a person trying to figure this thing out. How many of y'all know that if you break your arm, uh, you don't feel depressed going to the doctor to get your arm fixed? Come on now, you don't, you don't, you don't go through nothing like, oh, I, I feel so bad and my arm is broke. Uh, you, know, you just go and get it fixed. And so you all, there are doctors and there are people that are trained and equipped. Some of them, many of them Christians who are able to help you go through and journey through the issues of your mind. The mind is also part of your body. And sometimes your mind can get broken. Amen. Sometimes your mind can be broken and there's nothing wrong with you because your mind is not all that it should be. And let me just say this, as a pastor of a church, I've been here for a long time, I can tell when people are off their meds. Let me just say, if your doctor has prescribed some medication on your journey and that medication kind of levels you out, makes you coherent, uh, don't you walk by faith at our expense. <laughs> don't you decide to put them pills down because you're going to walk by faith today and then we don't know what you're talking about because you know listen you all um, I just think Christians get it so weird when we, when we feel as though going to the doctor is sinful uh, is the earth is the Lord's the world and everything in it that means that God can heal you directly, yes, but he also can heal you through the instruments that he's given through doctors and medicine and all of that. Amen. Let's not be silly about stuff. And so you all, if you know your challenge in those areas, please uh, be mindful of that. Also, you all, I'm so grateful for uh, June the 3rd, that Saturday that you all are. It's so funny. My, the way to honor my wife is doing some work. <laughs> if you want to honor my wife, get some work done. She don't get nothing about it. I'm glad you said hello and you appreciate me great but what'd you what'd you do what'd you do uh that's her love language and so uh so grateful for an opportunity for you to beautify the campus and those of you that are gifted in that those who are not gonna who who might be interested in joining me i'm gonna be preaching in new jersey many of you know that for the past three years almost now we've been in a partnership with the saint luke episcopal church in gladstone new jersey uh, and the pastor of that church is on sabbatical for several months and he's invited me to go and preach at his church there in New Jersey. Uh, they've been in partnership with us every other Wednesday in an amazing conversation about race. And so any of you all that might be interested in a road trip uh, and to be a part of that, again, if you're interested in that, let us know. You can reach out to us at info at Citadel of Faith. Hey, I'd like to know a little bit more about it. We'll be posting it on the website as well. But again, that's the first Sunday in June in New Jersey. Uh, finally, you all, I just want us to uh, keep in mind the church of Jesus Christ. I kind of feel like 
so many shifts have happened this year. Uh, my pastor, uh, James T. Meeks, the founding pastor of the Salem Baptist Church of Chicago, retired this year and turned the reins over to a son in the ministry, Charlie Dates. But also you are a giant, uh, really several giants of the Christian faith here in America have gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, Charles Stanley. I don't know if you all know Charles Stanley. How, how many of y'all have been blessed by Charles Stanley's ministry? Uh, Charles Stanley, you all went home to be with the Lord, and what an amazing man of God he was and is. And so, not only him, but this past week, Tim Keller uh, also passed away and went home to be with the Lord. And those who may not know Tim Keller, he was the pastor of the Redeemer Church in the heart of New York City. And the thing about Tim Keller is Tim Keller, what I'm preaching about today, that's all he talked about. He was an intellectual that helped people who were far from God, particularly in New York City, in the heart of Manhattan. He drew those people that were unchurched under his ministry to break open the word of God in a very intellectual way, but also uh, to answer some deep questions. And so he went home to be with the Lord as well. And so can we pray for the body of Christ as there's a changing of the guards and some things are happening. We need to be mindful of that. Amen? Amen. Well, let's get ready for the word of God today, you all. As you know, I have been endeavoring for the past several months to lift up the value and the importance of the word of God. Uh, you all might say, well, that's just obvious, Pastor. You know, we know the word of God is important. Well, I'm not sure if everybody believes about the Bible or everyone believes about the word of God the same thing. I believe that most of us do believe that the word of God is important. Uh, the Bible is significant, but not all people believe believe that the Bible should be adhered to completely. Not all people believe that the Bible itself in its totality is the will of God. So if we don't believe then that the Bible in its totality is the will of God for man, then we can take out of it, right, different parts of it that we don't think are germane, that we don't think are significant, that we don't think apply. And we can say, well, this is important, but that is not. This applies, but that doesn't apply. Uh, you can choose to do that because you have free will. But you all, we have, uh, as a Christian church here, believe that God has revealed his will. God has revealed his nature. God has revealed the desires of his heart to the world through the word of God. And if then we are to be followers of God, we need to be trusting in his word. Amen. Now, whether you all know it or not, uh, to have a trust in God's word will affect the way in which you see the world around you. The way that you see the world, if you're looking at it through what I call the lens of Scripture or the eyes of Scripture, you will then see what is right through the eyes of the Word of God. You will see what is wrong through the lens of the Word of God. You will see what is truth through the lens of the Word of God, and you will see what is error through the lens of the Word of God. And so I'm going to share with you all today a subject matter uh, that I think is very important. It's the Bible and the dispensation of grace. Say it with me, the Bible and the dispensation of grace. Okay, I want you to look at a scripture in Psalms 90, Psalms 90 beginning at verse 1, Psalms 90 beginning at verse 1. It says these words, Lord, you have been our dwelling place and our refuge in all generations, says Moses. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever form or ever you had formed and given birth to the earth and the world 
even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I like that. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man back to dust and corruption and say, return, O sons of the earth born to the earth. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. I love verse two. It says, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed and given birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The psalmist is saying this, you all, that before God made a single thing, before God created the heavens or the earth. Listen, you do know that God created the heavens too. The heavens were not just there. God created the heavens and he created the earth. Before he made one mountain, before he made one stone, before he made one animal, before he made one plant, one tree, one bird, before God made anything, the Bible says you were here before there was anything. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. Which means then, you all, he is the God of every era and season of human life. He has been God in the beginning, he is God now, and he will be God in the end. Amen. But not only has he been the God of all of creation, he's been the God of your life. Whether you know it or not, the song that we sang, all my life he's been faithful, all my life he's been so, so good. Whether you knew it or not, he knew you when you didn't know him. <laughs> and whether you know it or not, even as a child, God was looking out for you. Even as a young adult, God was looking out for you. Even as a crazy teenager, God was looking out for you. How many of y'all know you were buck wild in college, but God was still watching over you? It doesn't matter what season of life you've been in, what season of life you're in right now, he is still God. You all, I want to talk you all about the errors or the various dispensations that many people categorize uh, God's movement in humanity. Why is this important? Why is this significant? Because you all, um, we can't decide to know God and not know him in the totality of who he is. In other words, we can't just know him the way we like him the way we want him to be. We've got to like him the way that he is in his totality. And what has happened, you all, we have made God in our image. We've made God in our likeness. Can't nobody judge me but God. And so I know if, if, if God don't judge me, you can't judge me. Well, I understand what you're trying to say, but you can't say that God uh, is a judge and that he's not going to judge when he get a chance to judge. In other words, we all want to know Jesus as Savior, but none of us want to know him as Lord. We want him to save us from our stuff, but not submit to his Lordship. Deliver me from my problems, but don't let me sit under your authority. Deli change my situation, but don't change me. Did you hear what I just said? Change my circumstance, but do not change me. Don't fool with me now, God, because I'm cool, but I want you to be what I need you to be. And we cannot accept God as a savior and as a gracious God, which he is, and also not as a judge in which he is. 
Amen. And the reason why, I'm going to preach it anyway. The reason why we do not want to call him judge is because judge has to do with sin. And we don't want to talk about sin anymore. As a matter of fact, I don't want to go to a church that talks about sin. I don't want to be under a preacher that talks about sin. I don't want to read a scripture that talks about sin. You know why? Because I ain't on that page. I'm not into all of that negativity. I'm only into the positivity. But can I tell you something? The Bible says that the soul that sinned, it will surely die. The Bible also says that the wages or the penalty of sin is death. And I would not be a preacher I would not be a pastor that only gave you a Jesus that is a savior but that is not also a judge everybody's not going to heaven everybody's not gonna just die and go to heaven I love Disney movies you know I do I love Aladdin getting me little mermaid getting ready to come out little black girl black mermaid I love it but they made one movie I didn't like all dogs go to heaven Life from the pit of hell you are not just gonna die and go to heaven and, and listen y'all how many y'all been to a funeral and the preacher said and we know that they're in hell you know none of them gonna say it you know why because don't nobody want to be honest but everybody and their mama know that if, if God is a judge the person in that box ain't done nothing in their life that honored him that spoke for him or did anything submitting to his lordship how in the world is God going to allow the soul that shall surely die that is full of sin that has not been redeemed by the blood of Jesus to automatically just go to heaven we have preached a gospel that is not the full gospel and my obligation as a pastor is to help us understand that yes, we have seasons and dispensations of grace, but there are also seasons and dispensations of judgment. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And some of us ought to be grateful to God for the season of grace that he got on your life right now. Come on now. How many of y'all know you are under grace? Like... <laughs> Y'all, if you had any idea how much grace is waking you up and how much grace is paying your bills and how much grace is not keeping you out the crazy house, if you had any idea how much grace God has given you right now, because if we got what we deserved right now, come on now, how many of y'all know you are a recipient of God's grace? Is there anybody grateful for God's amazing grace? And you know why it's amazing? Because every time we see it, we're just amazed that he would f f f put up with us crazy folk again. And so you all, I want to talk now about dispensations in the Bible. Now I'm focusing particularly on the dispensation of grace in which we're in, but I want to talk about the seven dispensations that are commonly known uh, by most believers. And now, now you all, I want you to be learned people. All right, the Bible says be able to give a account for why you believe what you believe. To be able to give a reasonable biblical account to why you believe the Bible, why you believe the scriptures, why you believe that Jesus is the only way whereby mankind can have access to God. If you cannot intelligently, now listen, they may not agree with you. They may say, I don't, I don't buy that. But if, you, if you're able to intelligently articulate why you believe what you believe, you will not be at the mercy of people who know more about your Bible than you do. 
let me say it again if you're able to intellectually respond to someone's question about why you believe what you believe you will not perpetually be at the mercy of other people who have studied the Bible more than you studied it uh, when Jehovah Witnesses come to your door they, they know more about your Bible than you do and they will take your Bible and confuse you with it. And so I'm just grateful to God that I'm not going to have a silly church. Amen. I'm not going to have a church that don't know no better. All right. So uh, seven dispensations. And I want to just kind of go through them. So there's a graphic that I want you to put up there. It just kind of talks about the seven different uh, uh, dispensations. The dispensation of innocence. The dispensation of conscience. The dispensation of human government. The dispensation of promise. The dispensation of law the dispensation of grace, and the dispensation of the kingdom or the kingdom age. So there, there are seven of them. Innocence, conscience, human government, promise, law, grace, and the kingdom age, all right? And so at every age or every era of human existence, God has already always been present. But the way that he has shown up and the way that he has been present has been different. Let me say it again. God has always been present, but the way in which he has shown up has been different. And so it's important for us to realize the different ways in which God has shown up. So the first dispensation is the dispensation of innocence. And the text, uh, just write this down. It's also be on the website so you can look at it later. But Genesis 1, 28 through 30, and then chapters 2, verses 15 through 17, unpack what that dispensation is about. And it's from the time from the creation of the world and all that is to the fall of man, all right? So from creation to the fall is the first age or the first dispensation and this was called the dispensation of innocence. Why? Because at this time, mankind and the world was sinless and deathless and there was peace for humanity. So during this era, before sin entered into the world, there were no tsunamis. There were no earthquakes. There was no death. There was no illness. There was no sickness. There was no dying. Because God intended everything that he made to be able to live forever and to exist without any conflict. So anything that we see that is disruptive, anything that we see that is wrong, this was not the era that that was in. What an amazing time to be in, isn't it? To have, I mean, I, can you imagine just peace? No sickness, no illness, no, no storms, no bad days, no bad weather. Uh, this was the dispensation, you all, of innocence, all right? There's a second dispensation called the dispensation of conscience, all right? And this is found in Genesis 3 and 8, 3, chapter 3, verse 8, all the way to chapter 8, verse 22. And this is now humanity now living alone via their own sinful will and conscience, all right? So now, watch this now, this is the era of humanity dealing with the effects of, of, of humanity's decision. Humanity said to God, God, I know what you said, but what you say does not matter to us. Now, you all, many people don't really look at it that way. They say, oh, well, Adam uh, and Eve, they, they took of the tree and they took of the fruit of the tree and the, and the snake and the serpent. But, but what happened is this. God said something and they said, we do not believe the word of God. We do not believe the word of God. And as a result of their lack of belief in the word of God, God says, now you are cursed. And so watch this now. 
Why would God let anybody die? Why did God let my granny die? Why did God let my mama die? Why did God, why does God let innocent people hurt? What kind of God is it that would allow a, a, a tornado or a storm to take out an entire town? What kind of God is it? Let's turn the question around. What kind of human would change a peaceful world into a violent one because they decided to disobey God? Let's stop blaming God for what humanity decided to do. It is never God's intention for your mama to die or your granny to die or your child to die or your husband to die or there to be a tsunami or some kind of disaster. But the issue is that because of sin, there is now death and there's illness and there's all kinds of malady. But it did not come into the world because God wanted sin and God wanted it. But because man said, I don't need God or his word. And as a result, we're now under that judgment. So let's stop blaming God for what humanity decided. Why would God do it? Well, God didn't do it. We did it. And now we're in this dispensation of conscience where people are now living with the results and the fruit of their decision. It ended with the flood <laughs> after which God began anew. Watch this with Noah and his family. See, we don't want to read the whole Bible because it's kind of hard to understand. God was so disgusted with the people that he made and the evil that the Bible says they continually did that he decided to kill everybody except for one family. You know, I'm so glad God, he in my corner. You know what I'm saying? God in my corner, he ain't going to never do nothing against me. He killed the whole world. He killed babies. Little children were crying. Mamas was outside the ark, banging on the ark. Why? Why? Because the Bible says when God looked upon the earth, all he saw was mankind doing what they wanted to do against him. And what did he become in that moment? A judge. And he wiped out the whole world, except for those that were in the ark, in the ark of safety, in the ark of protection. And I'm so grateful that even though the world is going to hell in a handbasket, there's still an ark. And God has his righteous people inside of the ark of safety. Is there anybody grateful that you're inside of the ark of safety? Listen, it's not a physical ark, but it's a spiritual ark. It's called the body of Christ. It's called Jesus himself. And no matter what's happening in the world around us, to God be the glory that I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. And, that, and if Christ is in me, I'm not worried about being on the boat and the boat full of water because if God made the water and God made the boat I'm gonna get up out of this thing <laughs> so you all listen there was a season there was a dispensation where the the result of man's disobedience and the result of man's conscience their conscience was seared their conscience was full of sin and as a result God decided to end it all with the flood and so this is the second dispensation that is noted by most scholars called the dispensation of conscience. The next one, the third dispensation is the dispensation of human government. Now listen, you all, God always wanted to be uh, in charge. He wanted the people to be his people. He always wanted to be their God. But that's never enough for us. 
God is never enough for us. God, I like you, but you ain't enough for me. I need Jesus and. I need God and. And so what ended up happening here, you all, the Bible says that, from, and this is Genesis chapters, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, God began on the, in this dispensation or this era to give commandments, right? After they get out of the ark, he gives commandments to repopulate the earth. He also talks about ways in which to deal with judicial decisions, capital punishment, things that they should eat, dietary restrictions, and etc. And so as they exit the ark, this first family, now this family is exiting the ark, and people say, well, wait a minute now. Uh, how are you going to repopulate the earth and you only got a fat one family on the ark? Well, you all, first of all, uh, you do know that them folk lived to be like thousands of years old. And they tell you why they lived to be thousands of years old, because their bodies were never intended to die. It took a long time for death to kick in to the life cycle of the human body. And so back in those days, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And so you all, there was, there was a whole lot of opportunity for people to repopulate and some things to happen. Uh, but man, remember this, builds the Tower of Babel. Remember that? Mankind came together. Now again, just one group of people now. They, they've populated, they've grown. And they decided to build a tower. And they said this tower is going to reach the heavens. As a matter of fact, the tower will reach God himself. And he said, we're making this tower to build a name for ourselves. Now, God was not against the construction of the tower, nor was he against uh, the fact that it was going to reach where it was reaching. The issue for him was the motive. They said, we're not doing this for the glory of God. We're doing this for a name for ourselves. And so God says, I'm not going to, first of all, to make a tower that would now go into the stratospheres above our known uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, sky and, and that they would have had to actually move forward with technology. How do I breathe at an atmosphere above Earth's atmosphere? So some of y'all say, well, wait a minute now. Um, can I tell you what God said? If we don't go down and stop them, watch what he said, nothing will be impossible to them. Let me just say something to y'all. God believes more about your capacity than you believe about your own capacity. God believes more about what you can do by who he is in you than you even believe about it. God says, if we do not go down and stop and confound their languages, whatever they put in their mind to do, they'll be able to do it. Can I tell you something about who you are? When God made you in his image and his likeness, he gave you the capacity to do some God-like stuff. But not to do it for yourself, but to do it for his glory and to do it for his advancement and to do it for his kingdom. But don't get it twisted. Don't think that you're not able to do great things. And some of you are around the wrong type of people who don't believe that they can do stuff. And because you're around the wrong crew, you keep depreciating your assets and keep lowering your standards to not do what you were created and anointed to do. You better know if God gave you the idea, you can do it. You better know that if God gave you another chance, then that means it's your time. You better believe if God gave you the ability to go back to school, you can go back and graduate with honors. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your situation. Don't you let your circumstance, your academic background, your ethnicity, your, whether you're a man or a woman, keep you from what you know God is telling you to do. That wasn't in my message, <laughs> but I felt that was appropriate to say to somebody. God said that there's nothing that these people cannot do. So I got to stop this because they're building something that's not for me. It's for themselves. 
So he goes down, the Bible says, the Tower of Babel, and confounds their languages, right? This is where language begins. There was one language prior to this, and now God separates them. They can't understand each other. And as a result, scatters them throughout all the world. And as they're scattered, now they're developing systems of governance based on where they've been scattered and how they've been scattered. So now human governance, human governments have begun. And so this is now the, the era or the dispensation of human government. The next dispensation, the fourth one, is the dispensation of promise. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 7 is where this is found. It's the call of Abraham and God's promises to Abraham. Now, you all, you know this story that Abraham, Abram was a person that didn't really have any relationship with God, but God spoke to him. Now, you all, this is so phenomenal because this is a person who didn't really have any written scriptures. Uh, there was no tabernacle or no temple to go and sit and learn or church to go and sit under teaching. He heard a voice that told him, get up from where you are and go with everything you own to a land that I will show you. And I'm going to make a people out of you. I'm going to make, he says, matter of fact, let me show you how it's going to look. Look up in the sky. See all the stars? That's going to be your descendants. And so you all, Abram, this man of faith, gets up after hearing a voice from God, leaves everything that he knows, and goes out to live out this promise of God. And out of the promise of God to Abraham was also that Abraham's seed would also change the world. Uh, the exodus from Egypt is the end of this dispensation. So God speaks to Abraham. Abraham uh, ends up obeying God. Abraham has children. Uh, children become these tribes. These people now are gathered inside of Egypt. They're trapped in bondage as slaves. Uh, and now God promises a redeemer, promises one that will come and be their deliverer. Moses comes along and delivers them. And so the period of the dispensation of the promise happens at the call of Abraham, but it ends at the exodus of God's people out of Egypt and that's the end of that dispensation are you following all right fifth dispensation the dispensation of law wow now this is the time where God is getting ready to reveal in writing what he's already revealed in the hearts of men <laughs> how many y'all have had um, your kids try to be so literal with you that you like, look, I ain't got to tell, I don't have to tell you the exact words. You know what I'm talking about. Well, you didn't say exactly, uh, when you said clean my room, you did not say exactly uh, cleaning that or that. When I said clean the room, you know what I meant. But, but because you got to be a legal, uh, you got to be a, a CSI, law and order with your kids you got to be specific with them jokers i need you to make sure that all the stuff is off the floor you know you got to be specific so prior to the law cain and abel they you know it's not cool to kill your brother well where is it written and i don't see no written law that i can't do it it's been written in your heart 
So God says, even though the law was not written, man's heart would know that it's not right. But watch this now. But legally, I cannot charge you unless I can point it to a law. So God now brings us the law. Beginning with Exodus and lasting for 1,500 years with the crucifixion of Jesus comes the dispensation of law. The call of Abraham and God's promises to, uh, to Abraham, the exodus from Egypt is the end of this dispensation. The law given to Moses on that mountain was God saying to humanity, I said this last week, this is God's will for every human being. Never lie. Never desire something that's not yours. Never commit adultery. Never uh, take God's name in vain. How many of y'all know when you read the Ten Commandments, you've broken one or two of them? Listen, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory that is the Ten Commandments. But with the Ten Commandments, watch this now, came now God's ability to judge. Because in the past, you could not, have your kids almost said, well, you didn't tell me that exactly, so why you can't penalize me because you didn't tell me exactly. But the moment you tell me exactly, now I can penalize you because I told you I wanted you to pick up everything off the floor. Everything means everything and everything. Right? Now I can judge you because what I said is so specific that when you break it, everybody knows you broke it. So with the introduction of the law <laughs> came God's ability to judge everybody who was not able to keep all of them all the time. Now I don't know about you, but that's a very dark picture. Keep all the commandments all the time? God, that's impossible. You're right. I, I can't do that. You're right. But wait a minute. Why would you ask me to do what you knew I couldn't do? Because I wanted to remind you that you cannot do God-level things without God. <laughs> Are you hearing this? I want to remind you that every time you try not to lie, you cannot on your own strength do something that you feel good about doing. But how many of y'all know when God gets a hold of you? He'll make you start doing some stuff that you don't normally do on your own. And come on now, he'll give you the capacity to do some things that you could not do, not because it's you, but it's because it's God in you. As a matter of fact, I can tell how much God is in a person by what they're able to do, not in their own strength, but in the power of Christ that is working through them. Some of y'all know y'all will cuss somebody out in a minute. Don't you, come on, I don't, don't you be looking at me that way. I cuss you out when you look at me but then when you find yourself not cussing but praying for somebody they nothing but God come on now come on now are you hearing me some of y'all know you're stingy and you're yourself you're selfish and, and all of a sudden God says no no go there and bless that person do that be kind to that person and you find yourself doing something that's out of your character what is that that is God showing you that I am at work in you doing in you what you could not do for yourself 
the dispensation of law was the dispensation of reminding us that we could not please God so can you imagine every so many months somebody bringing a, some animals to the tabernacle to the temple to slit their throat and bring a sheep and cut its throat and bring a dove and cut its throat and bring another animal and cut its throat and blood after blood after blood reminding myself every time I'm not good enough I'm fallen I'm sinful I'm not good enough and the blood is reminding God that I can at least be accepted a little bit but my sin issue has not gone away I'm not good enough the dispensation of law was the dispensation of mankind's remi reminder that outside of God you're not good enough but then comes the dispensation I want to talk about and close out with the dispensation of grace it's also called the church age <laughs> it started at Christ's resurrection and the end of this age points to the rapture of the church now some of y'all remember my series in the book of Revelation and I encourage some of y'all to go back and listen to it but we believe that there will come a time that the church of Jesus Christ will be raptured that those who are on the earth during the time where God gets ready to bring about the end of the earth as we know it and by the way there's going to be an end of the earth as we know it there's going to be an end of this world as we know it I don't believe that well the Bible says that God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth why because not only is he going to judge the sin of man but he's going to judge the sin that's in the soil of the earth God says I don't want anything in my new kingdom that will be stained or tainted by sin even the earth itself needs to be renewed because it's not good enough to be in the presence of a holy God a new heaven and a new earth so it started at Christ's resurrection the end of it will ha happen at the rapture of the church these, these references are 1 Thessalonians 4 13 through 18 and Revelation chapter 3 verse 10 the seal of this age is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit we right now are in the dispensation of grace we're in the church age and you all let me tell you what a time to be alive you're at a time where you don't have to wonder is there a savior you're at a time where you don't have to wonder is there hope for my condition you're at a time where you don't have to wonder how do I reach God and how do I bring some animal sacrifices and is the priest busy enough to me to deal with I got to go and talk to him so he can give an atonement for my sin you're not in that dispensation anymore you don't need a priest you don't need a bishop you don't need a pastor you don't need a bull you don't need a, a, some kind of total animal all you need is to come to God yourself and say God here I am listen you all you're in a dispensation of God's grace where the judgment that you and I deserve has been suspended because of Jesus who is your Lord and Savior you are not under the law you are now under grace 
That means you are, listen, you are receiving God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is. You are experiencing the goodness of God, not because of you, but because of him. Are you hearing me? How many of y'all are grateful to know that because of Jesus, you're experiencing some grace right now? Because of his grace and because of his favor and because of his love and because of his kindness and because of his mercy, you're not consumed. Oh, to God be the glory. The Bible says because of the mercies of the Lord, I'm not consumed. Oh, I'm so grateful that every day I wake up, I wake up seeing brand new mercies. You know what mercy is? Mercy is me not getting what I deserve. You better hear me now. Why is every morning merciful? Because I didn't get when I woke up what I deserved when I went to bed. How many of y'all know that when you went to bed, you didn't go to bed perfect? You didn't go to bed without having sinned. You didn't go to bed without having done something that didn't honor God. But when you woke up in the morning, what woke you up? His mercies are new every morning. I'm so grateful that I'm in the dispensation of grace. Hmm. And let me just say for those of you that don't know it, you are, you are in an era right now where God is not looking to hurt you. He's looking to help you. He said, I didn't come. I didn't come to destroy anybody or to condemn the world, but I've come to save the world. Oh, you better, you better enjoy this season. Listen, y'all, you, you better enjoy the season of nice Judge Judy. How many of y'all seen Judge Judy when she's nice? It's only a few times she's nice. How many of y'all seen Judge Judy when she go in there? You'd be like, oh, she'd be cutting me through the TV. I'd be like, Judge Judy. Well, I'm so grateful you all that you're in the dispensation of the nice Judge Jesus. He's not, listen, when Jesus sees you, he's not trying to hold your sin against you. When Jesus looks at you, he's not trying to see what's not right about you. He's not coming to judge you. He's coming to save you. He's coming to love you. He's coming to redeem you. This is the church age. And that's, listen you all, and that is why many people will misconstrue the other ages or the other parts of God. Because they say we're in this age and therefore that must be the ages that always are. This is the way Jesus is in this age. So that must be the way he is in every age. Well, let me tell you the last, the last age. The last dispensation is the dispensation of the kingdom. <laughs> the millennial kingdom of Christ. This will come in the book of Revelation. The defeat of Satan ushers in a thousand years of peace. After the millennium, the devil is released for a little period, defeated by Christ, and the final judgment of all people. Uh, old heaven and earth will be destroyed by fire, and a new heaven and a new earth will emerge. In that dispensation, Jesus will be judging all people dead and alive those who've ever lived and those who are even living on the earth at that moment he will come as a judge and the bible says he'll open books can you imagine sitting in the presence of god or standing in the presence of god and he's opening books and he's looking for names and if your name has not been written 
in the Lamb's book of life, then your name is in the book of judgment. What kind of Jesus would do that? What kind of God would do that? I thought I had a God that was loving. I thought he didn't come to condemn. In the dispensation of grace. No, he's not going to judge you right now. So, so, so all of y'all are saying, can't nobody judge me but God. You might be in that dispensation of grace mindset. But can I tell you something? The same Jesus that is also a savior is also the Jesus that is a judge. And the Bible says that when the time comes for him to get ready to close all this out. And let me just say this. <laughs> um, I don't know if we even believe that this stuff is real. Because if we believed that this is real, that God is going to judge people based on whether or not they accepted him in the season that they were given to accept him, then we would have a burden for everybody to accept him. But the fact that we don't have that burden, it reflects that we don't really believe it. It doesn't mean we can change people's minds or we can make them do anything, but boy, our hearts would be so broken. Every Sunday we'd be at the altar. I appreciate the old saints and something we got to bring back some stuff that the church has lost. The old saints would come to the altar and bring your crazy butt in prayer before God. Some of y'all don't know that though, but your mama prayed for you. You better hear me now. Your grandmama, your, your, your great-grandma, they came to the altar of God and they called your name out before God. And you thought it was just your decision. You thought it was just you. It was mama saying, oh, in Jesus' name, guard my baby, protect my child. Devil, get your hands off of him. Get your hands off of her. She don't belong to you. And you know why your mama did it? Because she understood some stuff. She may not have had the education that you got, but she had some education. And she knew that I need my child to have a relationship with God who's able to preserve her or preserve him in the judgment. I need that to happen. And we need some believers that are willing to pray for our children and our grandchildren and our bosses and our siblings and our co-workers. Are you hearing me? We need somebody that will lay on our face and not give up on our child. I don't know who I don't know who I'm talking to, but don't you let the devil make you give up. Because you might be the only one fighting for the soul of your child. You better hear me. Don't you let their actions get in get you in your feelings. Don't you let you, don't you let their actions get you in your feelings and stop you from praying. The devil knows that when he can have your baby say something out, they mount to you. You'd be like, wait a minute, I done fed you and clothed you and paid for you, and you got enough to say that to me? Then you stop praying for him. The devil is alive. That's the time where you got to go court up. You got to go in then. You better hear me, somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to, but it's not time to lighten up on the prayer. It's time to get deeper and deeper and deeper. Amen. Pray for those in authority over you. I believe God can do anything. Do you hear me? I believe God can cause a president to have a personal revival. I believe God can have Joe Biden wake up in the middle of the night and God says, Joe, 
Sleepy Joe. Wake up. <laughs> I got something to tell you. I believe God can speak to the mayor. I believe God can speak to your boss. I believe God can speak to the governor. I believe that God can speak to city councilmen. I believe that God can do whatever he wants to do, but it takes the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous to avail much. Are you hearing me? So there will be a dispensation. At the end, there will be a kingdom dispensation. Let me just say these last things in the two minutes that I'm over. Because I want you to just be aware of terminologies and not to be intimidated. Everybody that thinks dispensationally, and I do, everybody that thinks in terms of these eras in which God has shown up in human history and the ways in which humanity has responded, they're all considered people who have a premillennial view. So premillennial means this. Uh, it means that the thousand year reign of Christ is a future event. Those who are premillennials believe that the thousand year reign of Christ will be a physical reign where Christ will come back and then reign on the earth for 1,000 years. And those that have a dispensational view or that kind of mindset, they, they believe in that premillennial way. Uh, I'm millennialists. They believe that we're already in the millennium reign of Christ. And his reign is now a spiritual reign in heaven. So they believe that the, 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 the thousand year reign of Christ is not a physical one, but a spiritual one. So those who are amillennialists believe that. Lastly, postmillennialists believe that Christ's return, Christ's return will occur after the millennium and the reign will be physical on earth. So they believe that after the thousand year reign, that is going to be the first time that Christ comes back. They don't believe he'll come back before then. They'll believe that he'll come back after the thousand-year reign, and that's called post-millennial. So bottom line, y'all, when someone says, are you a, 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 a amillennialist or post-millennialist or premillennialist, you can be able to at least understand what those terminologies mean. All of this will be on the website. I encourage you to go back and look at it, study the scripture references, so you can go back and see what each of those ages and what those dispensations kind of were according to the scriptures. Did this make sense today to anybody? Can we give God God praise for his word today hallelujah heads about and eyes are closed in God's presence God we love you we honor and we bless you thank you Lord for reminding us that from everlasting to everlasting you're God help us Lord God to see that you have been in every era and stage of human history in those seasons where we felt as though you were silent you were not being silent, you were being sovereign. Help us, Lord God, to know that even in our personal lives, in those moments that we feel as though you're being silent, it's not because you're not there, but because you're doing something behind the scenes that we cannot see. And so, God, we thank you for the age in which we are currently residing, the church age, the age of grace. Thank you, Lord that you don't count our sins against us. Thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven us and washed our sins away in the blood of, of your son, God. And now as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, those that are online that are listening, maybe you're listening now and you say, Pastor, you said a lot today. 
Some of it I understood. Some of it I need to go back and kind of maybe look at and get a better understanding. But one thing seems to be really clear, that Jesus changed everything. Pastor, you've said over and over again that with Jesus comes an opportunity for him to give us the ability to do what we could not do without him. How does he do that, Pastor? Well, the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of Jesus, they can be a part of him. How do I do that, Pastor? How do I call on his name? It simply means, Jesus, I surrender my, my will, my, my life, my desires, my way to you. And as I surrender my life to you, you give your life to me. And as he gives his life to you, my sister, as he gives his life to you, my brother, what does he do? He gives you the ability, the capacity to love the unlovable, to forgive the unforgivable, and to even do some things that outside of his ability you could never do. And so if you're listening right now and you've never given Jesus an opportunity to be your Lord, I ask that you would consider to invite him to be your Savior, your Lord today. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot org that's simply spelled c-i-t-a-d-e-l of faith dot org all one word we would love to hear your testimonies we would love to hear your prayer requests know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone let's change the world together one person at a time